0: This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Convinced living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise the Lord. We are continuing in a series on the power of God. Continuing in that. And we are specifically, during these last few weeks, been focusing on obedience. Obedience is a very powerful way that the uh, power of God works in our lives. I'm not getting anything, guys. And I am actually have it on. There it is. <laughs> so we're talking about the power of God, and we're talking about it Uh, Being unleashed and unlocked in your life. And one of those ways that that happens is through obedience. There we go. Through obedience. Now, obedience, although it sounds like something that is uh, old-fashioned, it sounds like something that's boring, it sounds like something, I promise you just the opposite is true. When we are obedient to God, it brings His highest blessings. It brings His best joy. It brings all of the peace of God into your heart and into your life. And so, uh, when we're talking about obedience, please understand that it's a very powerful, powerful thing as you look at what it is doing in your life and how it is that you are serving the Lord. Through obedience comes blessing. You can be loved by God, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're blessed by God because Blessing comes through obedience. Okay, so we are going to look at a very powerful portion of Scripture here because I believe if we're really to ever experience life to the full like Jesus said, Jesus said if a man or a person goes out to try to save his life, what happens? You will lose. The very thing that you go looking for, and I believe it's not just, uh, by the way, yes, you will lose your life for eternity, and that's that's a bad thing. But understand, if you go out trying to save your life and get all you can and can all you get and sit on your can like I've talked about, you will be miserable all your life. Until you link up with the purpose of God in your life, until you find the purposes of God and make them your purpose, that is what will give you life. That is what will encourage you. And so as we look at being obedient to God, we're going to look at one of the uh, most uh, other than Jesus... A man by the name of Saul had a conversion. And through the conversion, where he met Jesus face to face, we read two thirds of the New Testament the Holy Spirit wrote through him because he was obedient. And as you look at the life of Paul, it was filled with all kinds of trials and troubles, yet victory after victory and his joy exceeded. That's the kind of living I want to have. So let's look at Acts chapter 26. We're going to look at Acts 26 and we're going to look at 15 through 20. 15 through 20. I'm reading out of the NASB, and if you want to follow along, you can there. And gentlemen, if you'll forward that as I read, that would be great. Uh, Let me just preface this just a little before we uh, go reading here. This passage of Scripture is where the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, is explaining to King Agrippa what his conversion amounted to or what it was like. And so he was talking about who he was before Jesus and then now who he is after Jesus. May I tell you that we have a testimony each and every one of us. Just like Paul you have a testimony of your life that is prior to Jesus and after Jesus. Or we're still in that spot where we're trying to make a decision whether we're going to surrender to Jesus. But in this, that's where we pick it up. Paul is talking about what happened to him when Jesus appeared to him, and we pick it up there at verse number 15. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet, for this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which will appear to you. Now, I want to stop right there because I want to talk about a couple of key words that you see that I have highlighted and underlined for you. By the way, if my ushers can get ready, if you can come now, uh, one of the things I want to explain to you in the purposes of why and how we do church at North Lake Church. If you don't have one of these little cards about our core values and the why we do church and how we do church, just slip your hand up as the ushers are coming. If you just want an extra one, just slip your hand up. I'm going to reference this because one of the references that I want you to look at is the why. Why do we do church? And we say it every Sunday. And the reason we say it every Sunday is because this is the purpose of you and I being here. And I will make it stronger than that. Until you find your purpose being right alongside the purpose of God you will be very unsatisfied in this world. When you get on page with the Lord, everything changes. So you see, it says, for this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness. And we read that and we immediately say, well, he's talking about Paul, not me. Well, he is talking about Paul but I am going to show you as we go through Scripture, and we're going to read more of it today than we normally do, that this call that Saul, who turned into the Apostle Paul, had was not just for he alone. It was for every believer who called upon the name of Jesus This power that worked through Paul, this Holy Spirit that indwelled him, is the same Spirit that lives in you and I today. It is the same one that lives in us and gives us power to be witnesses for him. And so, that is why we put the words, convinced. We we say it every Sunday, convinced. Convinced. See, I'm not just moved. I'm not just, well, I kind of think that Jesus touched me once. I am convinced. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm convinced He has changed my life. I am convinced He is the only way to salvation. I am convinced that He is coming again. I am convinced that until He comes, I must do all I can for His glory. The word convinced means I have a conviction about it. It means it's moved me to action. And so what am I convinced? The living water. Who is the living water? Jesus Christ. He changes everything. We sang it this morning. Lord, when your spirit is here, everything changes one life at a time. God has given us a mission. And it's not for us to just have potlucks. It's not for us just to get together and say, wow, I feel better about myself now that I've come. It's about saying, Jesus, there are people that still aren't part of your kingdom. There are still people who are in the bonds of sin there's chains they're in the darkest of sin and Lord I need to be that witness I need to be that minister I need to be that light just as Paul was all right so now I know I'm taking some time but I don't want you to miss this this morning let's continue reading Verse 18, 17 and 18, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Wow. What is our purpose? Our purpose is the living water changes everything. We're convinced we need to turn from darkness to light. We're convinced that the dominion of Satan needs to be turned to God. We're convinced that there is forgiveness of sins and people need to know. Amen? Verse 19 says, Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first then also also at Jerusalem, then throughout the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Wow, imagine that. Religion that actually moves you to something other than sitting. Religion that moves you to something other than pontificating. What does that mean? That's a big word to mean that sit around and talk about the great things of God. Now understand, I love the good things of God. But unless I'm moved, nothing changes. Unless I understand God's called me to reach my family. God's called me. The first person he's called to reach your family is you. The first person God has called to reach our city is us. Yes, I pray for America too, that's where we are, but... but. We're going we're to see something here that Paul and what he lays out lays out a very systematic thing that we are to do. The mission of God matters. And that's the title of this sermon, if you will, Obedience to the Mission of God. Obedience to the Mission of God. There is nothing that will fill your life with more joy, peace, and just absolutely living in a wonderful time than when you get on the mission of God. And and I've said this, many people will spend their entire lives trying to make Jesus a piece of their life. And they'll be miserable. Because until you make Jesus your life, and everything else just details, you'll be miserable. Because Jesus is clear, if you want life, there's only one way to find it, and that's me. This world will leave you very disappointed. You know, I've often said it's like a Snickers bar. It promises you, packed with peanuts, it'll really satisfy you for about 10 minutes and then when the sugar high is over there's a huge depression that comes that's everything the world has to offer is like that it takes you up on this roller coaster you think wow that was good and then the reality of what has been done is settles in and you think this is not good <laughs> this is not what i intended this is not where I wanted to be. Amen. So the mission of God, let me make clear, the first thing I want to talk about is the mission of God defined. I want to define what is the mission of God? Because until we know what the mission of God is, we won't know what to do so what is the mission of God as Paul talked about it there we started to hit on it but really let's go back further than that as we look at the very first time we see God's heart and what does he say and the Lord God called to the man and said to him where are you and I think God says that a lot still Do you see that the the call of God and the mission of God is just not something God has told us to take on. It has been his heart from the beginning. This is where Adam and Eve fell in the garden to preface preface this scripture. And it's where that uh, God asked this question. Now, do you understand that God really knew physically where they were? You understand that, don't you? You understand that God wasn't asking where they were because they were hiding in a spot he didn't know. He was asking them, where are you for them to recognize their need for him? That they had messed up. That they were away from him. And he was trying to get them to realize, where are you? Are you liking where you are right now? That's why I said that there's a point of this. I'm all for doing what it takes Jesus fed people to get them to hear the gospel. But you know what? We are not going to pander to change the message of God's word so that we can fill the house. I want people who are Christ followers and who know the word of God. And so God called to the man, where are you? And that is the heart of God. We see it. And by the way, you see it throughout the entire Old Testament then. Time after time, God is trying to call the people back to him, back to him, back to him, to the point that he even equates our running after every idol to literally spiritual adultery. He says, oh, you come to me and you say how you want me and how everything is great, and then you go off with anybody who comes along. And so this is God's heart that we would be on his mission. What is his mission? His mission is that people would be reconciled back to him. And, in fact, in him sending Jesus... Luke 19:10 Listen to what it says for the son of man came has come to seek and to save that which was lost That was his entire purpose in coming to the earth was to seek and to save what was lost That's the mission of God that's been his mission all along And literally when we saw God empty himself is what the Bible says. Jesus literally emptied himself of all that was God and godly attributes and became a man to redeem us. And it turns our world upside down. To think about what God does turns our world upside down it doesn't make sense but it is the mission of God and it is God's heart so if that is in fact the mission of God defined if it is that God is looking for everyone who is lost then the question must be asked what is then our call to be missional if I am To be on God's mission, am I meeting the call to be missional? And that's what Paul was talking about when he talks about to Agrippa. He says, I did not be disobedient to that. I said, yes, Lord, and I began being missional. I began saying, yes, Lord, I will be that missional person wherever I go. Now, as we look at this, again, we may say, because I I believe this is really how we have portrayed ministry in the church in America, and I believe that not that God doesn't do great things through obedient servants, but understand all of us are servants of God. There are no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom of God. We're all equal in the cross as we come. We all have the ability to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the greatest thing that ever happened, that when Jesus went back to the Father after his resurrection, he sent the Holy Spirit. No longer like in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit just came on a few people and did great things. Now every believer has the opportunity because you and I are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and we now can take that life-giving spirit that praise God where he takes out that old heart And gives us a new one. And then he places his spirit in us. Please understand, we're not giving anything out of our own. We're just giving Jesus. And that's what Paul was doing. As he explained his testimony to Agrippa, he was saying, look, I was persecuting Jesus before the whole thing. I was out there killing people who followed him until God got a hold of my heart. Then if we have any question that this call to be missional uh, is not just a few, I, I know that sometimes the way that we've set the kingdom of God up in America sometimes seems like, well, God, you've given your power to an elite few, and I'll just come and just be thankful to be a part. Now, I thank God for people like Billy Graham. Praise the Lord. And I am so charged about Franklin Graham stepping into those shoes. I thank God for every every person that God has given a platform to speak the kingdom of God. That's influence, and I praise God for that. But that influence was never for the church to come and just sit that influence was for the church to be charged and go out and change the world Amen. to come and be changed hear the word of god and then take it and disperse it to those that are out Amen. and so this is what jesus said to his followers after the resurrection john chapter 20 verses 20 through 22 john 20 20 through 22 Jesus is speaking to his followers and this is what he says to them. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, wasn't the first time Jesus said it, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, So I am sending you. Do you see that? Jesus is saying, Guys, I now have done what I was called to come do. Now the Father is sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. So in that... Now, if we stop there, though, we might be able to have someone who may argue, well, but the call really fell to Jesus and then to his disciples. And so really, you know, we just, we need to come, we need to be a part, but we don't really need to get wound up about people who are lost. I hope God saves them. No? Listen to what the Word of God says, and Paul, speaking to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verses 17 through 20. By the way, 17 is one of my favorite scriptures. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Then it says, now all of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ uh-oh and gave us the ministry of reconciliation do you realize that 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 ministry was not given to a few it was given to all in the church it was given to everyone the Ministry of Reconciliation. Then he says, Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he... So now who is the commandment coming from? Who's given us now? The that, that, That's a capital he, guys. That means him, not Paul. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. I hope that you get this picture in your mind. An ambassador for the United States is a very important person. They go out, and when they're in a foreign country, they declare... Not their own message, but the message of the country that sends them. They go in the country's authority and they go in the country's power. Do you realize now how what an honor and privilege it is to be called a child of God? You are not just, oh, I'm a school teacher, oh, I'm a truck driver, oh, I'm an office worker. No, you're an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may make your living someplace where God's placed you. And may I tell you, the only reason you're there is to be an ambassador for Christ. Yes, God will make provision for you, but understand your provision has never belonged to your job, it belongs to Him. You're his ambassador. As long as you are doing what he wants, he will take care of you. Hallelujah. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. If you're looking for someone, who will speak to your neighbors, your family, about Jesus. That's it. Drop your head down and look right here. Because that's who God is wanting to use. Now, will God use others? Yes, He does, praise God. But we are ambassadors. We're ambassadors. Every one of us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is what I will tell you. If you get on page with that in your life, you will have joy like you've never experienced before. You start saying, Lord, I'm I'm your ambassador. When I get up, I'm not stuck in traffic. I've got something to do because you can clear the traffic if you want. Do you realize that? Do you realize we're under the sovereignty of God? Do you realize that's why Paul and Silas in a dark prison at midnight sang to Jesus? And the prison was broke wide open. So may I say, and this includes myself, I have been challenging myself. Brian, stop looking at mere circumstances that God can change in a second. And give praise to God and thank Him that you are there. And God, it is my privilege and will to just say, What do you want me to do? I'll just do whatever you ask me, Lord. Amen. And by the way, when that happened, the jailer and his whole family got saved. (laughs) All right. So now we've talked about that. We've talked about not only the mission of God defined, we've talked about what it is to a call to be missional. Now let's move to this. If that is the case, Pastor Brian, where? where? I mean, define what missional community I have. And so I believe that, that Paul did well when he was talking to Agrippa, so let's look there first verse number 20 in our passage, Acts twenty six twenty, But kept declaring to those of Damascus first, guess where Paul started? Damascus. And then he said Jerusalem, and then throughout the reg- region of Judea, then even to the Gentiles. Do you have those in your life? God, I'll even go to that. We all have them, don't we? Uh, You know, somebody. Hopefully it's not in the family. (laughs) But the point is that we need to understand that when we start defining what missional community is, it is wherever God has placed your feet to go. That is your missional community. If he's placed you here in Clark County, whether it be in Washougal or Camas or East Vancouver, wherever it is, that's your first missional community. That's where you start defining it. Lord, let me be an influence there. And by the way, for us, may it start even even sooner than that. May it be God, first of all, if I'm ever to be a witness to my neighbor if all I'm doing is being unchrist like to my family and kids and my co-workers, how will I ever reach my neighbor? If they look at me and they see not an ounce of Jesus during my work week, how are they ever going to respond when they come on Sunday morning and see me raising my hands in church? They're going to say, That doesn't look good. So we have to understand that our missional community is wherever God has placed us. In the Great Commission, Jesus gives an incredible statement here. And Jesus came to them and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Aren't you glad that he's sending you as an ambassador not out there on your own? Do you realize he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you're in a jam for Jesus, that's a good thing. <laughs> he can get you out of the jam. Amen? So he says then in 19, go therefore. And if you look at that word in the Greek where it is, it is defined, go it literally means, as you are going out living your life. Do you understand that? So it's, it's, yes, it is a specific call, but the call is not defined to a specific spot. It is defined in, as you are out doing your life and living your life, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And then the greatest words we've ever heard, and lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. How is the church going to survive in the world we have now? And I understand, guys, God's not given us a spirit of fear. I understand Things are very heightened right now, but it's time for the church to arise. It's time for the ones who belong to Jesus, not to be foolish, but to stand in the power and the authority of the Spirit and speak the Word of God with boldness. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Praise the Lord. Then he says this. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now I will tell you, this is different than when the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit. When he breathed on the disciples, uh, this has been one of the most extensive studies that I have done in my personal life. The difference of where Jesus breathes on them that I gave you that verse, John 20. I've had people say, well, he he breathed on them because they were getting ready to be baptized in the Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus do something and it says he breathed on them and not have something happen. They receive the indwelling of the Spirit. And then this says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, this isn't a weird thing. Please understand, God does not and will not take control of you and possess you. That's what the devil does. He possesses people. God will not. He is a gentleman But when you ask and when you receive him and when you say, God, I want all of what you have, he will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes on you, you will understand what it is. (laughs) Because it is different. (laughs) And he says then, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Again, he's given us an example that you start with your most inner circle and then you move out from there. So it starts, Lord, in my my closest relationships. God, if I'm in a spot where I have a spouse who's not a believer, that's my first mission field. God, then my kids. God, let me be such an example that my family, my Uh, everyone, aunts, uncles. I know we talk and we joke about everybody's got unique families. I've got a unique family, okay? (laughs) But you know what? You need to be a witness in your family. That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need a double portion. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) But God will give you power through the Holy Spirit to minister to your family. And if you can't minister to your family, We can't take the gospel outside of that. We've got to say, Lord, you have called me to live a life to be yours. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. No one's perfect. We all fall down in sin. But when you do, get your eyes on the cross. Thank God for his blood. It forgives you. And hallelujah, never turn back. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. All right, I want to get ready to close. We're talking about the power of God. We're talking about it being lived out through obedience. I'm going to ask two specific Questions before we give a call for salvation. I know I normally make my call for salvation first. I want you just to bear with me and I'm going to be just challenging us in two areas. Write this scripture down, John 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4. Verses 32 through 35. In it, Jesus says this. I have food to eat that you do not know anything about. The disciples, therefore, were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What was his work? It was the mission of God, that all that would come to God would come. Then he said this, Do not say, Four more months and then the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. Jesus was saying, get your eyes off the physical harvest. I understand there are seasons with that. There are people who are ripe for Jesus around us that need to come. He said, lift up your eyes and recognize it. and That's what he was talking about. So I'm going to have you bow your head with me and I'm going to ask a couple of questions.